0: Hey, this is Courtney McPherson, and you're listening to a new episode of the Time for Your Mind podcast. And I have a very special guest. He's not that special, actually. Just kidding. Um, on the show today, and before we jump in and disclose who that is, I just want to give you a little a little teaser that this episode is all about men's mental health. And so if you are a guy listening and you're wondering how to navigate the fluffy world of mental health, or if you are a female that have men in your life that you just don't seem to understand, then this episode is for you. And that's where my guest comes in because you don't give a crap about what I have to say about men's mental health, you want a real live guy. And so Mike McPherson's with me, he is my husband and, but aside from that, he's somebody that I really admire in terms of the work he's done on his mental health and the progress he's made that has translated into really impressive achievement. And I know all the men that I've worked with, that's kind of, they care more about what's concrete than how they feel. But anyways, Mike, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. What's going on, everyone? (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Courtney, for having me on and uh, I'm ready to go. Ready to rock and roll.
0: We're coming at you live from our couch. And um, so let's jump in and just, you know, just to say too that men's mental health is a real serious problem Um, studies that I've read show that men, men's suicide rates are at post COVID through the roof, but I know you can say,
1: uh, men's suicide, it's four to one, um, is what the statistic is. Um, Meaning, meaning four men attempt or kill themselves to every woman that, that tries or actually commits suicide. And that, you know, that's not, I'm not a doctor, I'm not, but that's, um, you know, a number that I got from the Movember website, which if it's on the internet, it's got to be trustworthy, right?
0: <laughs> no, I know it was something along the lines of, of three times at the rate that women do, but I and men are often more successful with their attempts of suicide. But even aside from that, I was reading an article on how lonely men are and how men's depression plays such an incredible role in all this, so um, interestingly enough, men's mental health has been a topic that I've been really passionate about. Um, and I, you know, I always say if if you care about women, then fixing the men in their lives will solve a vast majority of your problems. So, but you know, I do think it's a massively underserved population. So, anyways, let's back it up. And Mike. Tell me a little bit. Let's start with sharing as much as you're comfortable about your history with struggling with mental health illnesses and how treatments played a role in in getting you to where you are now.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, as far as, you know, I've had depression and anxiety um, as far back as I can kind of remember. Um, And as far as treating it, I didn't really treat it period. Um, it was one of those things where I would go to therapy, I would go once, twice, be like, Hey, this didn't fix me and I'd be done. Um, and you know, I don't think you're ever completely fixed. I think it's a, a constant journey. I think it's something that, you know, it's, it's like working out a muscle. Um, you gotta continue to lift weights. You got to continue to change things up, try different things um, to continue to build the muscle. And um. so, yeah, depression is has been, you know, in my family. Um, anxiety's been in my family history. And it's it's something that, you know, I, I think it's just always kind of been around, whether it was, uh, you know, very prominent or if it's something that was kind of in the back of my head, you know, the ups, the downs. Uh, what do those look
0: like for you especially so i guess maybe go back to when you were late teens early 20s and what the untreated depression and anxiety how it what it looked like what symptoms you had and how it showed up in your everyday life
1: yeah i mean anxiety with uh with women i think every teenage boy can uh, agree Uh, teenage girls are are horrifying they still horrify me um but you know having anxiety with with dating having anxiety with you know fitting in um you know and the depression was something that sometimes you know i'd come home from school and just sleep the whole day uh my day off i would i would sleep you know all day and not want to get out of bed and, and you know i missed a lot of school my senior junior year because of it
0: Um, Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's just something that back then it was like, oh, this is life. You know, you just deal with it.
0: What, so you say anxiety with women, anxiety with dating. What do you think that anxiety looked like? Was it fear of being rejected? Was it not looking good enough? Was it? Tell me a little more. Share. I think, and the reason I'm asking you this is because I think it's so relatable and I do know how much men especially think they're so alone because I, I really feel like a lot of men don't share with each other the deeper stuff. But we'll get into that. But I, there's a context. I promise I'm not digging into your past.
1: No, yeah. I think um, getting yourself self-value through um, other people. I didn't have a lot of you know, confidence in myself, so I got my self-worth through, you know, the, whether it was women or, you know, hanging out with cool kids, whatever it was, and then, uh, you know, through friends later on, and and that was my gratification, it's like, oh, I made someone laugh, I was the funny kid, and it was like, you know, even though I'm hurting inside, it was like, I still gotta go out, and I gotta perform, I gotta put on a show, people expect me to be funny outrageous whatever it is and that might not be true but that's what i had in my head for you know most mostly into my 20s um and in my teenage years like you know i i got to perform for people to like me
0: because who you were naturally just wasn't enough
1: Uh
0: or you didn't even really know what i didn't know it i didn't yeah you know
1: it's like as i've gotten older I'm, i'm kind of a nerd i you know I uh, I watch how it's made. I watch... Um, God,
0: don't even get force, me started on that.
1: Fortune fire. I read a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a homebody, and, uh, you know, that naturally happens. But, um, you know, I was just constantly out surrounding myself with other people so I could escape my head, basically.
0: No, and what, if you think, if you spend some time with your head, what would happen?
1: Uh, what no, did
0: what did that sound like?
1: Yeah. Not a, not a fun guest, not, not someone you (laughs) wanted to, to spend a lot of time with. I think there was a lot of negativity. It was, um, you know, just a lot of anxiety and doubt. And, and, uh, you know, it's not a good time. So I, you know, I made sure that I was always busy, whether it was work, whether it was out partying, whether it was, you know, whatever. Um, So I didn't have to deal with you know the message in my head which you know ultimately I think that's you know with alcohol whether it's drugs I think that was kind of a a short term solution obviously not the right one Um, but that's just kind of how I dealt with it with the tools I had and how I was you know like the the way you brought up it's not like you know the boys get together we sit down Indian style you know, talk about our feelings. It was like, you know, you're like, dude, I feel like shit or whatever. And it's like, oh, you got it. Don't worry about it, buddy. Like, you're going to get through it. Like, you're good. You're good. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then you're like, but I'm not good.
0: Right. And, you know, it's crazy because every man I've worked with, especially who just start, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience with other men talking about mental health, or doesn't come from a family that's very open. It's, it's the same thing. And it's so interesting when I reflect to my clients, how my female clients, you know, you have friends you can talk to about how you feel. You could probably name me at least two people right now, friends, family, whoever, that if you were having a mental breakdown or you needed someone to vent to, or you needed to cry, or you needed to talk about your feelings, they'd pick up the phone and validate you where, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think a lot of guys have that, especially in their teens and twenties.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is, even if you do have a friend, you don't, you don't, you don't have like the, you don't want to bring it up. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, uh, you're afraid to, to let it out because you think you're the only person that's ever dealt with depression, anxiety, or whatever. Um, those issues, and I think a lot of it's, you know, fear of the unknown and the rejection. Um, so you know, at the time, I, you know, I might not have had friends, I may, I may have had friends, but I didn't, I wasn't brave enough to, to see it, you know, what their reactions would have been. Okay.
0: And how many guys do you think feel the same way?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a vast majority, if not frequently, but at least one time in their life, you know, you, 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 felt whatever, anxiety on sports, you need to make a sports team, you know, your parents want you to make a certain grade. Um, you know, you want to ask out a girl, you know, yeah, whatever it is, you got a job. You. you you get something big in your life and even if it's not big it's it's that anxiety can can add up i think it's i think every man's felt it you know at least one time in their life and it's like um you know some people feel it more than others
0: yeah i mean anxiety and sadness or nervousness and sadness are different than diagnosable anxiety and depression i mean Sadness and nervousness are are cause and effect, like you have a big test coming up and you're nervous about that or something you get dumped and you're sad about that. Where I think a lot of men I know at some point in their life, if not currently, suffer from diagnosable anxiety and or depression, which is no cause, just feeling nervous all the time, feeling nervous to exist, feeling not good enough. Everywhere you go, feeling sadness when you have so many reasons to feel joy, and so yeah, I think you're right. Where everyone can relate to moments of suffering, but I think so many men. And you tell me again. I'm a guy. I'm you're a guy. <laughs> you're a guy. Yeah. Um. How many people feel that? Lack of self-worth or judgment or social anxiety constantly, you know, going into a store or making a phone call or sadness for no, not no reason, but um, persistent.
1: Uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, I I think it's something that it's more common than you think. And it's, you know, it's because it's not a tangible thing. Like if I was walking around with a 50-pound weight vest on, you know, you'd be like, why the hell, you, like, why are you doing that? Like, what's, what's the point of that? And you're like, oh, like, I just, I like to make life harder than it is. No one would ever say that. You know, they'd say, hey, take the vest off. Uh, you know, can I help you take the vest off? Or, um, you know, like, I don't know, maybe if you have a good friend, it'd be like, let me carry 25 pounds for you or let me give you a rest or whatever. Uh, but because it's not a tangible thing, it's, you know, you can't look at someone and say like, hey, that anxiety you got going on about what the stupid thing you said, you think you said on the date last night, like, let me take that for you. Like, not a big deal. It's, it's, you know, it's something that's, you know, men are good at hiding. Um, and then they tell themselves like, it's okay. I'll be fine.
0: Or it's not a big deal. Not
1: a big deal. It's fine. Um, you know, that dialogue and then, you know, you, I don't think you realize you get used to certain things. You just get used to it and it becomes, you know, uh, a part of your life, uh, you know, and it's like, until you get help, until you start to actually work on the issues, until you, you know, start exploring what's, you know, what, what the deal is and why why you have it, um, you don't even realize that you're walking around with a 50 pound vest on.
0: You're so right. I think so many people, and it's interesting because I see this almost glamorized is the wrong word, but normalized on social media where, you know, if you're in your 30s and, or you're late 20s and you have a job, maybe you are married and have kids, you're just supposed to be miserable. You know, that's normal. Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. (laughs) Um, But I think you're right. I think, and I think a lot of people grew up in families where, especially men, um, where their fathers were just, unhappy people and so you don't know what it's like to live without anxiety and or depression so
1: yeah and I think I think it's like it, that's the problem is people like oh like they're soft and whatever but you know the hardest thing that's ever happened to you is the hardest thing that's ever happened to you and it sounds you know my boy Joe Rogan uh, says it all the time but it's oh, here um, we go um, but it's, it's true, like, you know, uh, the hardest thing that I've gone through, you know, might be, in theory, a lot harder than, say, someone that didn't get accepted to college, you know. And, and, you know, my stuff is like, hey, my stuff is a lot harder than yours. But to that person that didn't get into their college of choice, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. So it's, you know, I think there's a lot of comparison. It's almost like a pissing contest, like... I had it worse, I had this, but you don't understand what it's like. And it's, you know, I, d- I don't. And I think, you know, do I think people use mental health like as an excuse for a lot? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I think, I think that men are, are starting to open up. You're seeing athletes, you're seeing a lot of good, yeah. uh, and you're seeing the good that comes from it. And like, you know, that it's okay that you're not going to be looked down upon as, as for opening up that you're almost, you know, that, that people are like, wow, like Kevin Love, Michael Phelps, like these are major accomplished athletes. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of others. And it's just nice to see that, you know, it's, I think a lot of people go on social media and complain, but I think it's nice to see that like, you know, people are like, Hey, it's, it's not okay to feel the way I do.
0: Good, that's really hopeful. And I'm happy to hear that. And something I've noticed too, especially with uh, the company Leeward Counseling is that people are getting in their sons and daughters, but all sorts of people are going into therapy a lot younger. And I think it's very, it's it's definitely trending up. But, you know, I think it's still in certain communities, especially we live in Boston and it's, I I feel like there's a lot of just hyper masculinity and not to, you know, I, I think masculinity is a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot out there about toxic masculinity and this and that, but I think that certain communities, certain families, certain settings are less open than others. That being said, what has what your journey been like with healing that? person that's so therapisty i would never talk to you like that <laughs> normally yeah. but yeah tell us about your treatment your recovery etc
1: yeah i mean i think i think um so you got into therapy i've gone to therapy consistently now for i don't know seven years eight years um why'd
0: you go to therapy um, what made you finally go?
1: You, you made me. <laughs> no, um, no. There, I think that's
0: actually factual. <laughs> yeah, that was
1: that was that was part of it. But I think you know what it was is for a while I went and I didn't do the work. I went, I talked, I complained or whatever. I got the stuff off my chest. I'm like, I feel good. All right, I'll see you next week, and didn't change any of my my behavior. So, um, you know, uh, ultimately I. You know it's you know i had open heart surgery it's i ended up getting sober uh stopped drinking um
0: and what w- what did that do for you how did that shift your your perspective and like affect how you feel
1: big picture i mean i think you know the the heart surgery was you know a lot of it was it was hot but i think it opened up to my eyes it's like you know you, you don't you, there's no guarantee for tomorrow so why not, why not, you don't have to feel like shit. And, uh, you know, part of it is like when I stopped drinking, it was like, well, there goes your coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, some people at the gym, some people have drugs, booze, whatever it is, you know, I don't know, rock climbing. I don't know. I lost my coping mechanism, which was, you know, trying to put a bandaid on, a uh, gunshot wound. Um, but, you know, I kind of had to. I had to, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have my out. So it was like, you know, how am I going to get better? And it's like, you know, I went into a deep depression, you know, not working, you know, really. St.
0: Jude commercial.
1: Yeah, no, but I did, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that like, you know, I.
0: What, what I'm saying about that is he, he was, if you don't mind me sharing, really emotional. Yeah. I mean, Mike's also being humble. Um, for those who don't know, He had a staph infection and then it ate away at his heart valve. I know I'm telling your story, but Mike had a very, very intense, scary, risky open heart surgery. His heart issues are ongoing. It's it's was not a routine type thing. It was, it was scary. It was, um, you know, doctors didn't know. I think you had a 50 50 chance of surviving that surgery. You know? Yeah. Maybe it's, less. It's
1: like roulette. You know, you gotta, you gotta put the Here money he down. He and, always uh, says
0: he's a cockroach. You can try to get rid of him, but he comes back.
1: Well, the St. Jude's commercial came on, and I just had a ball in my eyes. So, it was, uh... You Which know, it
0: is sad. In your it's it's divorce, sad. But. No,
1: but it's, uh... You know, there were other things I'd be watching. I don't even know. Like, something random. And I'd be like, why am I crying right now? Um... And that was a sign to me that, like, hey, you, you've got some stuff to, to work on. So, um you know, losing the coping mechanism with alcohol. I think it was, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, listen, if, you know, I got 10 years, 10 days, a hundred years on this earth left, like let's start working on myself so that I can make it the best possible. And then in turn, like I can be a better husband and and now we have a son and I can be a better father. I can be the best I can possibly be. Um, you know, and it's, I might not have necessarily made the change just for myself. You know, I think you were part of it. Getting married, it's like, you know, I get someone else. and But it, it helped. It helped to, uh, you know, I, it, it helped to push me.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, it's interesting you say that because I actually shared something on my Instagram page today that a former clinician of mine, Jared Whitmire, shared that said that Everyone thinks you have to be healed. You have to be complete before you can be loved. But really, I believe that the best relationships help you complete yourself even further. I mean, I think it takes both of us. I'm not just giving myself a pat on the back. But my question too is, what did your healing look like? So, I mean, I think it's so helpful. And this is why I wanted to interview you because I think there's a lot of doubt that therapy will work for guys. And i think a lot of guys did what you did pre-surgery and they would just go for two sessions they wanted a quick fix and they say ah this doesn't work or how can talking help i think men are very concrete there's not a cause and effect even though therapy statistically and medication improve people's moods i still think men are very struggle to accept help and think they can do it all on their own so i'm wondering if you could share with everyone what you think about or what helped you
1: yeah i mean i i think it's anything if you pick up rock climbing or if you know you're in a, you own a business you have a business coach you know you're a little overweight or you're out of shape and you you go hire a trainer like that's okay you know you you can't do it. You could do it yourself, but you're gonna struggle and, and going to struggle and go into a therapist who's going to give you the structure and they're this is what they do. Their, their expertise, you know, I, I sell houses like, um, you know, that's what I do. That's my expertise. Um, but, you, you know, I'm not going to help you in therapy, maybe a little bit. Um, but I think that, you know, feeding in and, and realizing that these are professionals and, and, and You know, that being said, like you might try someone that's not a good fit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, 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 you got to find, you know, who's going to be the right fit for you. But you also need to, you know, you is is me. I I had to to do the work. You know, I had to say, like, hey, I'm going to do a gratitude journal or whatever it was, um, you know, lifting weights consistently, even though, you know, that was something that getting back into, it's helped my mental health so much. So it's, you know, it's a bunch of things that feed into it. It's not a, a one fix all and, and the therapist isn't a magician. They're just, they're kind of like your your trainer, your mental trainer or your emotional trainer.
0: What did you learn about yourself through all the different therapy things you did?
1: I think the first thing is I'm, I'm not as unique as I thought I was. You know, I thought I was the only person to ever feel like a bag of shit or like, you know, something that was like, oh, I have no confidence or, or I just want to sleep in. I don't feel like getting out of bed. And it's like, you know, you talk to other people and it's when you open up, it's like, oh, no, like, you know, AA is the same way. It's like, you know, I thought I was the only one that binge drank. And it's like, yeah, me and. You know, half the planet.
0: That's, I think, mm. the foundation of our relationship. Initially, was on binge drinking. Yeah,
1: so. you find love in it, you find hate, you find everything. <laughs> um, you lose a lot of stuff too: so. shoes, hats, <laughs> money.
0: So, one, you're not that unique. What else did you learn about
1: yourself um, that
0: helped you get better?
1: Just that I don't, I don't have to suffer. You know that it's not, it's not inevitable it's not normal
0: yeah it
1: doesn't have to be a normal it doesn't have to be my every day um uh, you know not saying like you know after seven years of therapy like i'm completely cured i i smile 24 7 like trust me there's hard days and, and there's there's hard moments and you know that's life life's hard uh it's never not gonna be um you know even if you solve one issue there's there's always other issues you know it's i have a great day at work maybe we get in a fight And it's like, you know, or uh, I dropped the ball at something at work or, you know, I missed the gym or, you know, I start to get into a bad eating habit. And it's like, you know, it's constant work. It's not it's not easy, but it's rewarding and it's worth it. And you're worth doing the work for. Oh, well, thank you.
0: What do you think is unique about men's stuff that you wish? Other men or women do?
1: Um, I think one of the biggest things is men and women are extremely different. Yeah, I um, completely
0: agree with that.
1: But, you know, what works? I think one of the biggest thing is, like, you know, what works f- for me might not work for the next person. Each person's unique, and you really need to be honest with yourself. Um, you really need to see what works for you. But also, like, I think, you know, if you're dealing with – if you're in a relationship where you have a sibling or you have, you know, a son and you know, they, they're not, you know, you like to meditate that might not necessarily work for them. And that it's, it's an individual journey that's supported, but you need to support them. And you need to support people the way they want to be supported, Mm -hmm. you know, healthy, healthy pushing in the right direction is great. uh, But they also have to be committed.
0: Agreed. I I think I see so often actually just talked to someone today about this. You can't want someone to get better more than they want it for themselves. And I see so many women in heterosexual relationships pushing men or or saying, just try this, or I wish you just do that. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta want it for yourself. I think that collaboration is great, but you can only come your 50% of the way. You know something that's really interesting. You you might be shocked about this, but I tell women all the time, you have no idea how insecure men are, and they're like, "What? Yeah, friggin' right. No way. Like, there's no way men can be as insecure as women." And I'm like, "I, I think they're. I mean, obviously, I'm talking big scale here, but m- men are, are so good at acting confident." I just think it's really
1: impressive. So
0: is that interesting to you that women think all men or men don't struggle with insecurity as much as women?
1: Yeah, I mean I I can see that, but you take a look at my group chat, we're all a bunch of walking anxiety attacks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to end right now. Um And we're gonna pick up a part two of this because I'm getting a notification that I can only record for 30 minutes. So uh, we will mesh this into a part two.